Welcome to the Axe Church Podcast. You're listening to Axe Church's podcast where we talk about life and faith. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church located in Camas, Washington, not far from Portland, Oregon. Feel free to go to axecamas.org and check us out. We've got some good info and sermons on there. and We'd love it if you would take a look at that. Today we have our senior pastor, David Robinson, speaking with our youth minister, Glenn Cook, and our children's lead, Kristen Wire, and they are talking about anxiety and depression and the ways that they have encountered and coped with those issues. A lot of times during this season of cheer, we feel a lot of pressure to be happy, and for whatever reason, whether it's loss of loved ones or something else, this season can sometimes bring about more anxiety and depression rather than cheer. So whether you're going through that or you might know someone who's going through it, we think this podcast will have a lot of good stuff for you. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to Axe Cast, the Axe Church podcast. I'm here today with Kristen Weyer and Glenn Cook. And we're going to be talking today about uh, something that afflicts a lot of people. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the most common things that people are afflicted by in our society today, which is anxiety. And so we're going to talk about our own experiences with anxiety, depression, that, those types of issues, and uh, look at some of what Scripture says about it and maybe some of the ways that we've found uh, the Lord has helped us to deal with it. And so uh, let me just start by, um, Kristen, we'll start with you. Uh, tell me about your experience with anxiety, depression, that kind of stuff, and we'll start working through it and um, hear, hear about your story. Yeah, so... Um a lot of my anxiety and depression started when I was in high school, um, which I think is common for a lot of people my age and even younger. Um, I also in high school had an eating disorder, um, so that didn't help. Um, I went away for a few months to an in tre- uh, inpatient treatment facility and um, was officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression um, and bulimia. But instead of being medicated for it, um, I decided to just really work through it with um behavioral tools that they taught me in treatment instead of being medicated for it um, because I, my mom didn't want my life to be controlled by medication and I didn't either. Um, and so learning those coping mechanisms was really, really useful, um, but I don't think that it ever completely went away, um, especially when I stopped following the Lord. Um, things got a lot worse. I found myself pretty suicidal my early years of college and my later years of high school. Um, never acted on it, but just felt like the world was meaningless. Like there was no point. Um, but I think Christ used that in my life to kind of recreate meaning in my life and call me back to him. Um, because I knew deep in my heart, even when I was running from the Lord, that he was the only one that could give me meaning and, um, give life purpose. Um, and so, I mean, anxiety, depression is still something that I'm working through, um, and I have good days and bad days, um, but it's really just it's something that I have to lay at the cross every every day. So let me kind of walk through. Some people who are going to listen to this have me are going to know exactly what you're talking about, and some people who are going to listen to this maybe either haven't experienced anxiety or they experience it in a specific way. And so all of us and each one of us at the table here today has dealt with anxiety and probably all in different ways. So talk, talk me through how anxiety manifested in your life. What, what were the, the thoughts? Um, were they primarily, was it just the way you felt? Was it the things you were thinking? How, how did it work? 
Um, it was definitely, it started with thoughts and then turns into feelings. Um, I would, especially in high school, just obsess on thoughts about being per, uh, perfect by either looking a certain way or wanting to act a certain way or um, meeting certain expectations that I think I set for myself that weren't necessarily put upon me. Um, so like obsessing and comparing all, like was really where a lot of my anxiety came in was comparing myself to other people, other girls, um, other women and, um, also like thinking about the future, I got a lot of anxiety um, and thinking about being a failure, not wanting to fail. Um, so those thoughts of like obsessing over um, my looks and my grades um, definitely manis manifested into physical things where I would get headaches and get nauseous and, you know, higher heart rate and um, stuff like that. So that's really how man uh, anxiety manifested in my life and it, when I was a teenager. So panic attacks, things like that? Oh, Did yeah. you experience that? Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like laying in the bathroom, like doubled over, crying, but like no tears. It was just, it was fun stuff. <laughs> so tell me, tell me this, because I think that um, a lot of people have had panic attacks and I think that they manifest very differently for different oh, yeah. people. Um, were yours primarily um, something that... Uh, or you felt like the elevated heart rate and you felt like, oh my goodness, I'm physically in trouble here or were they, or did they affect you primarily mentally feeling like, oh, I'm going crazy or it, I'm losing my mind? It was more mental and less physical. I mean, I, I did get more anxious um, the more I got worked up, I guess. And so if my heart rate jumped, I'd be like, oh, okay, my heart rate is jumping. Like I need to calm down or else it's going to get worse. And then I'd work myself up over that. And then it would elevate to, okay, I'm crying. Like I need to stop crying. I don't want anyone to know that something's wrong. And then I couldn't stop crying. So that would make everything worse. And I would cry harder. And, um, so I, I but I think it was more like emotional and with my thoughts than like physical. Glenn, um, and we're going to come back to you, Chris, and I've talked a lot more through all this. I just want to give people kind of a general idea of the types of anxiety we've dealt with and, and that type of thing. So, Glenn, talk to me about um, your experience, experiences with anxiety, with depression, with those kinds of things. Um, this is something that is that runs in my family. Um, you know, I have a, a family member that actually did commit suicide um, over depression. And for me... A lot of it stemmed back to being secure um, in in the love of God, mm. um, doubting um, whether or not He loved me, whether or not dealing with issues of forgiveness. Um, you know, I've always been very quick to forgive other people um, and, and not try to hold things against them, but I have spent much of my life dealing with my own forgiveness issues and. During those periods of time, I'd become very, very, very anxious, very nervous. And for me, um, when I have an anxiety attack, and, and, and sometimes it's not related to, at all to, to forgiveness or anything, because I've worked through those issues now, um, where I've actually seen the anxiety and the depression lessen um, over time. But when I have a, a, an anxiety attack, I'll break out in hives. Mm. I'll see one hive break out on my left arm. And then I just know from that point that there's something going on and I need to take a step back. So physically it would manifest in that. And and for me, the other issue besides dealing with um, issues of forgiveness, which the Lord has walked me through because in his grace is is complete forgiveness, mm -hmm. is um, 
wanting to take ownership of things that aren't mine to take ownership of. Control issues. Control issues. I'm not, you know, as a school teacher, one of the biggest issues that I have was because I teach um, advanced placement courses and those exam scores come out at the end of the year, um, taking ownership of what students should take ownership of, Mm -hmm. knowing my place and being content in my place. So that's been a big, big area that I've had to walk through because I found that I would build my self-esteem by how well and how successful they were. When in reality, I'm just called just to do what I'm supposed to do and not worry about necessarily the actions or the outcomes of others. Mm-hmm. I want to make it clear for uh, everyone who's listening. One of the reasons we're talking about this today is we're a couple weeks out right now from Christmas. We're right in the heart of the holiday season. And I know that a lot of people deal with um, depression, anxiety, and so on in, at this time, partially because it's the time we tend to remember things like lost loved ones. It's mm-hmm. coming towards the end of a year, and maybe we don't feel... Um, like we're measuring up, things like that. And so, um, you know, just as a as an encouragement to, to folks, we wanted to record this and let them know, A, as a believer, you're not alone. Uh, one, I think one of the things that, a myth that is perpetuated sometimes is if you're in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, you're simply not going to deal with these kinds of things, you know, or, or this is something that some sort of uh, is, a, is, is your fault because you don't have enough faith a couple of things to know about anxiety. You know, you mentioned it runs in your family. Uh, you know, anxiety is ultimately at the end of the day a physical issue, which is to say there are chemicals in your brain, there are chemicals working within your body that um, that have that cause you to react in a certain way. And so, for instance, with panic attacks, you're experiencing a fight or flight um, type of experience, which is your body's telling you something very dangerous is happening, and so fear arises. And then you're trying to deal with that, and that causes all kinds of things. Different people, different ways. Some people feel like they're dying. Uh, They're having a heart attack. A lot of people go to the emergency room thinking they have a heart attack, find out it's a panic attack. Some people feel like they're going crazy, or they have feelings of what people refer to as unreality, kind of like it's surreal, that type of thing. I'm going to talk about my own experience with this in a minute here. Um, But what we need to understand is being a believer does not make you immune from this type of thing. But... Being a believer does give you some really great tools mm-hmm. on how to deal with it. I'm going to read a verse uh, here, and this is a very well-known one. This is out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, here's the deal. That sounds really easy. Oh, don't be anxious. Okay, well, that's easy. That's exactly what you want to say to somebody having a panic attack, right? Don't be anxious. Oh, okay, thanks. I'm glad you said that. It's like the person that's like, hey, I lost my keys. Oh, where did you leave them? Uh, if I knew that, um, I wouldn't be saying I lost them, right? I'd know where yeah. they were. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you don't you don't go to somebody with, start quoting Philippians 4, 6, and 7, or at least quote it all, um, which is to say this. We're, we're not to be anxious. We're not to be fearful. I think specifically we're not to be fearful in situations where really it is a faith issue, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so worried that my daughter's not going to this or my son's not going to this or my wife's not going to this or my husband's not, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, when it's not a physical manifestation necessarily, this is something where you're just, where you really are not trusting the Lord. I think this verse speaks very specifically to that, which is to say, don't allow that anxiety to come in. Instead, 
Start praying. Prayer and petition. Mm-hmm. Make your request known. Lord, I want you to be there for my daughter. I want you to be there for my son. I want you to, to, to help them and guide them through this thing. And the promise is God's peace, the peace of mm-hmm. God, which transcends understanding. I don't know. I have no idea why I'm able to feel okay now. On my own, I couldn't feel okay now. But here the Lord is coming and guarding my heart and mind from these anxious, fearful thoughts. Okay, great. Now let's talk about real anxiety of the kinds that you are, you guys are both describing and I'm about to describe, which is beyond normal worrying. It's not normal worrying. It's something that is, um, can be, can be hereditary. Oftentimes is, um, if there are physical causes for it, what I'm going to get to eventually is that this, this passage is still very, very effective for it, but you have to know how to use it. I'm going to talk through some tools that I've used, and you guys can talk through what's worked for you. Um, but let me, let me share some of my um, experience first. I, I had, when I was about, oh goodness, 21, 22 years old, I think it was 22, uh, I, was in, I was in college. I was taking an awful lot of credits. I had gotten married. We had had a child. All, a lot of stuff had happened in the last year. And so my stress levels, which is something that just affects you physically, right? They, you can go, there are books or you can go online and you can take a test and you can say, what, what of these, which of these events have happened in your life? And they all get assigned a number value. It's not perfectly scientific, but it'll give you an idea if that score is really high. I've moved, I've switched jobs, I've had a child, I've gotten married, I've gotten divorced, I've got the, then those things all are assigned a value. And it says, hey, this is how much stress is in your life. Well, stress can obviously trigger um, physical issues, right? Because it's a because it's primarily a physical um, thing that happens to you. There's a certain amount of stress causes a certain amount of physical discomfort. You talked about rashes or hives and things like that. So I was at a I was at a high stress time, and I had my first panic attack. Now mine were not so much about super high heart rate and things like that. I'm sure that was happening, but I actually just felt like I was going to go crazy. Like I'm losing my mind. Um, you know, which my mind is pretty important. I mean, I hope most people's are <laughs> to them. And I felt like, oh, um, I'm about to become a crazy person. I'm going to be mm-hmm. outside the bus stop chattering to myself mm-hmm. um, because I because I don't feel like I'm in control here. Now, the truth is, and, and maybe this will be helpful to someone, the more that you're concerned about losing your mind, the less likely you are to be one who's actually losing it. Okay, People who are really losing their mind don't know they're losing their mind. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. nature of losing your mind. And so, but of course, it, it, it has this cycle, right? Mm-hmm. You start worrying about that, which makes you physically more concerned, mm-hmm. makes you feel more fearful, which makes you more worried, which, and it goes in this pattern. And so I had no idea what this was. I don't even know if that I'd ever heard or understood anything about what panic attacks were. This was, I'm, I'm old, so this is many years ago. Um, and so I was basically in a relatively constant state of panic attacks of this type off and on for the next, throughout that weekend. And so it was like on a Friday, um, I went in, I thought maybe it was a demonic thing, you know, I went and talked to a, uh, a professor of mine. I was in, like I said, college at the time, a uh, very trusted um, guy and said, Hey, listen, I, I'm worried that there's some sort of demonization or some sort of oppression demonically. And he, he looked at me. You know, looked in my eyes, looked at me, and he said, no. <laughs> that's, that's not what it is, right? I, I, you know, he has a discernment about these things. He's like, it does not appear to have a spiritual component of that type. Um, but he didn't know what it was either. He wasn't a psychologist. And so I ended up, I ended up seeing a guy um, here in the Portland area, a guy named Mickey Day. He may still be practicing. He's actually a, 
a doctor of ministry, but does a lot of counseling of this type. And so he had had this experience. His his own wife had struggled with panic in the past and so on. He was able to help me understand what was going on. And so I had this over time, over the next six months to a year, what had started this, this panic thing, the panic side got less, but I started to develop OCD um, at a pretty significant level. Um, OCD is not what you see in, if you've ever seen the show Monk, um, there are very few people who actually manifest OCD in that exact way, okay? It has a number of ways. I don't have time to go through all of it. But the idea is these compulsions, which is what people concentrate on with OCD. Oh, I'm lining up all my shoes in the same thing, or I'm doing mm-hmm. turn the light off and on or whatever. Those compulsions are, are generally the result of mental obsessions, mm-hmm. okay? Which is to say, I'm worried that if I don't turn the light off, the house is going to, electrical fire is mm-hmm. going to start, my family's all going to die, we're going to burn down the house, and so I check it 15 times, that type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are people who have primarily the obsessions without the compulsions. Yeah. Um, I had a little bit on the compulsion side, still do to some extent, um, but more on the obsession side, mm-hmm. so thoughts that, that I didn't want to have yeah. and mm-hmm. having, to, having to deal with the fact that here's the unwanted thoughts I'm not going to go into all of it. Um, if somebody who's listening wants to talk to me more about my experience with OCD, I'd be happy to share that with them, but I don't want to take too much time. But let's just say this. Over time, the Lord worked with me. And the good news is, is that um, I it, not only has it been controllable, but most of the time, 99% of the time, it's utterly controlled. Um, I have had, you know, I have to be careful about uh, overusing caffeine, taking in too much mm-hmm. caffeine. I don't smoke crack anymore. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed because they, they need to know that you, you recognize that I don't smoke crack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and hey, that's your issue. That's also, you know, it's, that's not good for your anxiety or your chance of staying out of jail. So don't do that. Um, but, you know, you, you have to be careful about, you know, being physically healthy helps. There's all kinds of stuff like that. But I can, I'm going to talk about how the Lord took me through this in a minute, but I want to ask you each, and I'm going to start with you again, Kristen. What were, you talked about the sort of behavioral therapy. So CBT, cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy, is a method that's used to help people avoid um, maybe taking medication as mm-hmm. much and find a way to deal with it without that. First, let me ask this. I myself did take medication early on to help control the symptoms because cognitive behavioral therapy by itself, which we'll explain what that is in a minute, was not going to be sufficient for the level that I that, that I was experiencing this because I became essentially useless. There was a period of time where I could basically do nothing. My wife was super happy about that. Um, it was it was not a good time um, for me, and I was I was I was I mean I was seriously seriously tormented by anxiety and and these issues, and so I did. Take medicine. And I actually took um, a form of, I think I tried a few different ones, Paxil and um, Zoloft or something. I don't remember what they all were, but they're basically antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into how they work, um, but they, you know, I, I did take that. And then I had another uh, medication that was used to for kind of the emergency panic attack type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, did not take that much, but I had it, which helped. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't have a problem with medication. Oh. In that sense, which is to say, as a way of controlling things when they're when they're not able to be controlled just by the therapy side, with the idea, hopefully, that you're learning the tools to deal with it, so that eventually you can 
if it's possible, not take the medication. Although, if that's what's necessary, because you're because again, this is a physical mm-hmm. issue. If that's what ne- is necessary, and in, in, you know, in, in talking to your doctors and praying through it and talking with your family, if that's what's necessary for you to be able to deal with this issue, I don't have a problem with that personally. Um, and, and Kristen's shaking her head. She doesn't. She has a problem with it. I assume, Glenn, you don't have a problem with I it. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And there are those who do. They say these are powerful drugs. They're controlling you. They're whatever. And my answer is, absolutely, they are. And for a good reason, because you have a a legitimate physical condition that has mm-hmm. to have um, that has a legitimate medical solution. Mm-hmm. And so, no one gets mad at someone they have a, a disease for taking a a drug that helps to alleviate the disease or the symptoms of the disease. When mm-hmm. I have a cold, you bet I take some Dayquil. Why? Because the symptoms <laughs> are keeping me from being able to do what I need to do. And in the same way, there's nothing different because these are quote unquote mental disorders. Um, your mind is part of your body and mm-hmm. there, there are, there are physical ways. So I don't know if that's helpful for anybody, but I hope that that helps some folks. Um, while, while I don't think anybody should, rely or become overly dependent on on drugs. I do think that um, if they're necessary and your doctor thinks that they're necessary and you've prayed through with your family and gotten counsel, that at least for a period of time and maybe and possibly in some cases forever that you may need these uh, medications. So Chris, I'm going to throw it back to you. How did you talk to me about the practical steps that helped you to walk through or still help you to walk through it? So when entering... Um treatment for my eating disorder, I never really even thought about that anxiety was something that manifested in me through comparison. I didn't even realize that I was comparing myself to so many people. I didn't even realize that I was worrying about things that were out of my control um, because I thought I had it all under control. I thought I was all good. Um, And so the first step was really realizing like, oh my gosh, how much of my day do I spend comparing myself to other people? Um, And then another tool that they um, taught me was like the would and shoulds, like um, how often do you think I should have done this or I should have done this? And I realized that that's not consumed most of my thoughts. Like I had a lot of regret for almost everything and I should have done this and I should have done that. And, um, so my first step was really just realizing, um, that my comparison, um, and that I had a control problem, which I never really realized. Um, and so I really just had to like work with the therapist about like things that I couldn't control. Um, they would have us do like verbal exercises um, about we would they would go through like our day and or like certain scenarios and what we would think and we would talk out those things. So like, oh, when you're in school and this person like approaches you and talks to you, um, what goes through your mind and how do you respond? And usually my first thing would, I would look at them, I would compare myself to them physically, and then um, I would get anxiety about what to say because I wanted to fit in and um, all of this stuff. And so um, really talking through my comparisons is what got me to realize how much I compared myself to people. Um, And then they taught us a lot of relaxation techniques. So as cliche as it sounds, just like breathing techniques on how to take a second and just breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like relaxing tasks, like, you know, go take a bath or like go do something to get your mind off of it. So you're not obsessing over it, if at all possible. Um, They also talked about like um, getting more rest, taking better care of yourself physically, um, having a task that you go to when you feel like you're anxious or obsessing over something, go do that task to relax yourself and to get your mind off things. Mm-hmm. 
So those are just a few that I can remember. I'm sure that there was a lot more, but those were the two that really, really helped me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that um, I actually have my computer open here and, and looking at a, the, the verse that I read earlier. And on the page, they're advertising this top that you spin. <laughs> and I'm thinking the word anxiety that I put in has pulled up this thing because that is actually, as simple as it sounds, things like knitting or mm -hmm. things that you do with your fingers, things that, that are what people call kind of mind-numbing tasks are actually good for anxiety. They help you to, to focus the energy that your body is overproducing because at the end of the day, anxiety is fear. Fear is something that stimulates adrenaline. Adrenaline causes your body to need to act in a certain way. If you have nowhere for it to go, it's just going to come back on your mind. And so things that sort of get rid of that nervous energy are actually helpful mm -hmm. for anxiety. Talk to me, Glenn, about, about your process. You know, a, a couple of things. One, um, you know, I, I am a, I'm being discipled and, uh, um, by someone in the church, and it's, it's really helpful you know, to go to someone and say, here are my issues and this and that, and to get their input. Um, the other thing is the life groups that I have been a part of the last couple of years. There was there was one time, and it, it was years ago, but there was one time that I, I went into a very dark place. It's just like the walls were caving in, uh, very anxious, and Julie called the life group, and they all came over. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, you know, they kept checking in with me and really helped me through that, through that process. And then years ago, um, you know, when I was at Multnomah, um, uh, it was probably in chapel, which it's amazing that I was probably at chapel because I, sorry to say, I skipped some chapels <laughs> quite a bit. I was at a chapel cuts, you know, after two weeks. Um, the, he gave a sermon on praying the Psalms. Mm -hmm. personalizing and internalizing the Psalms. And so that really stuck with me. So in the last couple of years, um, I've been journaling my way through the Psalms. And this, it just hit me that David dealt with anxiety. Mm -hmm. You read some of the Psalms and it's just like, wow. And it, in all of those Psalms that he's laying out his concerns, you know, Lord, I'm being chased. Lord, why are you forsake? You know, why are you forgetting me? Don't forget me. Hear my prayer. Mm -hmm. He's he's casting his cares. And then at the end of it, he applies propositional truth to say, you know, this is this is the truth. And one of the things that I've walked away with that I've been counseled by those in the Lord and by the life group and, and looking at the Psalms is learning to get my emotions under truth that what I'm fearing isn't real. And that's been very helpful in my own life. And sometimes I have to stop myself and say, Glenn, what are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. What is the actual truth here? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been very, very helpful. Because I'm going to wrestle with this in, in, in my body of flesh. I'm going to wrestle with this until the Lord takes me home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and this is just my this is just you know my my walk in faith, and uh, you know and the Lord's been very very good to put people in my life. But one thing I would say, this is one area where you can't stay silent. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can't just hold this inside of yourself because you're not alone. Yeah. And there are so many people out there that would love to share their experience and help you. 
because none of us goes through any of these things just for our own sake. We go through these things so that we can be a blessing and benefit to others. Mm-hmm. And that's that's for sure. And, and uh, you know, the Lord allows all of us to struggle through all kinds of things. This is just one area of, okay. of struggle that people have. Um, all of us have a story. All of us have dealt with different sins and besetting sins and difficult things and and there's and we have something to share in discipling others and, and helping them through it and so um, I agree unfortunately anxiety tends to oftentimes be wrapped up in things like what Kristen's talking about I don't feel like I measure up I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm good enough the last thing I ever want to do is admit to anyone that I'm struggling I yeah. want to be in control and so it, it has this tendency to be kept as secret as possible mm-hmm. with some people and, and I agree with you Glenn it absolutely encourages people who are struggling with this to be open about what's going on. Uh, John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Um, I am a huge truth person. I love truth. I love, it's, you know, David talks about, you know, oh, your law, Lord. It's like, mm, it's like honey, you know, I just, 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 I just love sweet it tastes good. It's it's. I just want to. I want to just bathe, and I just want to. He didn't use those words. I'm using those words. I just. I just want it to envelop me. I just want to mm-hmm. be in your truth. And um, truth for the believer is something that we should desire. And truth is the only actual, real, effective antidote to fear. Mm-hmm. And for the believer, we don't need to be afraid, right? We don't don't be afraid of the one who can destroy the body, mm-hmm. right? Which is to mm-hmm. say, there's nothing in this earth um, that Satan seems to um, be doing a pretty uh, pretty complete job of controlling so much of what we see going on. But don't be afraid of what might happen to you. Don't be afraid of the thing we have. We have scripture about uh, worrying about our physical needs and mm-hmm. you know god knows you need those things um don't don't fear these things instead you know fear god only mm-hmm. and understand that the truth is that most of the time when we're struggling with anxious thoughts exactly what you said is true what is it that we're afraid of mm-hmm. and what's the truth about that for instance i'll ask you a question has either one of you ever died from anxiety no. 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 You haven't died because you're sitting here, right? And neither have I. And so in that moment, in the heat of like a panic attack or or serious anxiety or, or even depression, things like that where you feel like there's no way out, is it true that every time you've felt that way, whether it's serious depression, you feel like, like everything's bad, everything's always going to be bad, that there was always a time when you came out of it and that, you, and that there was actually life and goodness and all those things on the other side of it? Yes? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And so when we're in that moment and things seem really, really bad, the true thing to speak to yourself, to speak to your heart is, I feel a certain way, but the way that I feel is not consistent with reality. Yep. If you're really afraid because there's, you know, you're falling to your death. Go ahead and be afraid. You're going to hit the ground soon anyway, okay? Um, that's that's a real fear. You really should be afraid if you're falling to your death, okay? Um, no offense to anyone who's fallen to their death, but they're probably not listening. Um, so, But there's things to be afraid of. And then there's things that we create unnecessary fear over, and we have to speak the truth to ourselves. So my story is the thing that, you know, so this is basic cognitive behavioral therapy, really. Yep. You're talking about speaking the truth to yourself, you know, putting your fears in their place. 
Scripture talks about taking every thought captive. And mm-hmm. so my experience is that I speak the truth to myself. I'll share one with you that's recent. It was not this week, but I think a week before I was in church. I had too much coffee that morning. Um, <laughs> and we were actually singing, I think, the last song before it was time for me to go up and, and preach the word. And I started to have for the first time in years I, I was I was barreling towards a panic attack, full on barreling towards. I remember I I know the feeling well, like I know exactly what's happening. It was coming on. It was mm-hmm. like I've got to get out of this room because there's a lot of of noise yeah. and whatever while we're while we're worshiping stuff. And I just felt what I think was the Lord saying, "Don't leave the room, mm-hmm. don't leave the room, stay in here." I was walking back and forth uh, a little bit um, as the you know in the back of the room um, as the song is playing and I. Just trust in the Lord. It's like, okay, because not many people want to preach in the midst of a panic attack. Um, not an easy thing to do. And and for most people, they'd get a panic attack thinking about having to preach. Um, for me, I don't have that issue, but I, I certainly was like, oh my gosh, this is bad. This is going to be bad. But I also knew the Lord is with me. This is the, the preaching of the word is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not my work. This is, he has something to say to those who have something to say to this morning. And I got to trust him and whatever. By the end of the song, I was fine, completely and totally fine. Um, as where years ago, when I had panic attacks, it would have become, it, it, would, have, it would have given birth and been in its fullness probably. I, I was able to speak truth to myself, to pray, to trust the Lord. And the Lord brought me to and and I knew in my mind even even at the time I knew no matter what happens when I walk up to start preaching this will go away I knew it would because I would have because the truth is in my experience once you got to do something even when you're having the, like if something's got to be done mm-hmm. you do it yeah like which which is completely the opposite of what you're thinking yeah. like oh I'm not gonna be able to do this I'm not gonna the truth is and 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 I've and I've um, counseled people listen just push through I know you want to run don't run just push through it of course they're going to be fine. Because the truth is, it's all an illusion. It's all fear. It's all a lie. Ultimately, at the end of the day, anxiety and fear are a lie. Yeah. Um, the Philippians passage, um, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is, and the list goes on, it's almost like, don't be anxious, offer by prayer. Now think on these things. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 for me, it was just like a light bulb went on. Um uh, just, just something like, yes. In the in the context of being anxious, he's saying, turn your mind to the truth, so you, you don't run away with your emotions. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, and and that's exactly been my experience. Is when anxiety, depression, these feelings come on, and they're real, and they're which is to say, you really do feel that way. The fact is, what's behind them is not real, and you know the there's no. There's no silver bullet that's going to say you'll never feel anxious in your life again. But I can tell you this, when it comes, and, and here's another thing, practically, you've got to learn to recognize it. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is physical, and so you've got to learn to recognize it when it's starting to come. And when that happens, you've got to, you've got to say, okay, before this becomes more than I want it to be, let's analyze what's leading to it, what are my thoughts, what's going on in my mind, and then speak truth to it. Right, speak truth to it, and then of course, Glenn, you're right. I think Philippians four a whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever, etc. I think that that is should be a uh, command for your life. The more you're thinking about these things, the less you're going to be able to be anxious. And we have, and I think there may be people out here, and their answer is, well, now hang on a second. I really do have real issues. I'm, I've got cancer. 
I really might die, uh, or my or my husband or my wife has got a, a, a disease, or my kids are walking away from the Lord, and I don't know where they are on any night, and I think that they're partying and maybe using drugs, and there's you know anything could happen at any time, and my and my answer to that is you're right, anything could happen at any time, and so the question you have to ask yourself is, can you control it? Yeah, yeah. and the answer is going to be almost certainly no, and so therefore let the fear be what it ought to be, which is to say this, you should have, you should take whatever precautions you can take in life to ensure health and safety within reason. We can't all live inside a bubble. We got to do what we got to do. And here's the deal, just so that you know, if it's, if it's confusing anybody, um, unless you are here when the Lord comes back and you're a believer, you are going to die. You're going to, and so is everyone you've ever known and everyone that's ever lived. The only one who's so far been resurrected from the dead and <laughs> stayed that way is Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. so you will die someday. So will your children. So will everybody else. I'm not trying to create <laughs> create fear for you. I'm trying to create reality for you. Mm-hmm. Our faith is in an eternal God and yes. an eternal life that we have. And so there are difficulties. I don't want to bring those things down. I think it's okay to be concerned when your child is out late and you don't know where they are. I think it's okay. I think that's a reasonable response is to be, okay, I'm concerned about this. Letting that become more than it is. Letting that turn into panic. Letting that turn into fear. Letting that turn into depression is an issue that you can help solve by telling yourself the truth. Speak the truth to yourself. And so that's that's what I want to leave people with. And, and I, as I say, on a bright note, I'm sitting here. There's three of us here, all of whom are walking with the Lord, um, serving Him, um, effectively working in ministry and letting the Holy Spirit work through us, um, loving our families, um, have friends. We laugh a lot. We do all this stuff. And each one of us here has, at different times in our life, been in yeah. um, debilitating levels of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And so there is a bright side. The Lord will see you through it. You will not be this way forever. No matter what your mind is telling you, it is mm-hmm. not going to last forever. Um, you will get through it. And the more that you understand that and know that, the harder it is for anxiety to take hold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, for instance, with panic, one of the reasons that I that I did have that instance a couple of weeks ago, and I think probably for this podcast is why it <laughs> happened, um, because the Lord wanted to show me, hey, I'm still here. I still work in this. Um, because I really don't get to the point of that level. I, I've had, I've actually had a little bit more of it in the recent past as there's been a lot more stress um, in my life and, and, and so on than I have actually for a long time. And yet still, the Lord's been very faithful. And not, again, 99% of the time, this is not affecting me. And yet there was a time when I could not imagine not having it affect me. I thought, this is, this is my life now. I'm going to live in this state of constant mental pain. Um, which is to say, and mental pain, as most people who've had it know, you'd much rather lose your arm than deal with the, the kind of mental pain and anxiety. And I thought, this is it. This is my life now. Um, maybe maybe I don't want to have a life much longer, that yeah. type of thing, right? And yet here I am 20-something years later, and most of that 20 years has been spent effectively, and I, and I know both of you enough to know um, that that's the way it is. And so I, my encouragement is don't believe the lie that this is going to be the, the major um, thing in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't believe the lie that, that the Lord can't get you through it. And don't believe the lie that it's because you're a bad person or that it's because, right. in fact, anxiety, um, particularly OCD, but anxiety in general, I think, tends to attack um, people who are actually concerned about wanting to do the right thing. 
are actually people who are who are more look the sociopath isn't anxious no sociopath <laughs> doesn't care um, the the person who becomes anxious the person who's concerned about doing what's right we may we may have it aimed in the wrong direction and we're mm-hmm. and we're creating for ourselves sometimes as Kristen was talking about and I think for you too Glenn and I think for me too one of the books that I was given by Dr. Uh, Mickey Day who I was talking about was a book called uh, Tired of Trying to Measure Up yeah. and so I think that we that we create either by ourselves or other people put on us these uh, expectations of what it should look like for us to be a good man or a good woman. Um, or anxiety affects people very young. So even a good elementary school child, you know, whatever it is, this is what it should look like. And boy, I don't measure up to that. Let that stuff go. You are, as I am, as everyone is, a work in progress. And the Lord is going to um, draw us closer to himself over time. Our job is to be faithful and to and to ask for forgiveness when we need it and to get up and keep walking our job is not to be the most the smartest most beautiful most Mm -hmm. handsome most whatever Um, nobody is that only jesus christ is is everything everybody else you need to be who you are the more comfortable you become with who you are and who god's made you um, and the more confident you become in yourself, mm-hmm. which is to say, confident that, that God knew what he was doing when he made yeah. you. He has a plan for you. And yeah. you start to focus yourself not on that, not on you and whether you measure mm-hmm. up, but start putting that outward on other people, encouraging mm-hmm. others, helping them to find who they're supposed to be in the Lord. The better that you're going to feel and the less that you're going to obsess. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to let each of you, I'm going to start with Chris, and just what would you say to those who are listening who do struggle with this, what's your encouragement to them? Um, Really just echoing the last part you said. um, Your worth is not of this world. It's not in your productivity. It's not in how much you get done. It's not in the way that you look. Um, It's not in how much money you make, but um, your worth is found um, in Christ. And um, that's, that's, should be your anchor, um, not things that you see in advertisements, not things that your coworkers talk about, or your friends at school talk about, you know, um, God made you in his image and likeness and he will meet you where you're at. You don't need to be the perfect Christian, the perfect student, the perfect husband, wife, child. Um, God loves you no matter where you are and he will meet you there and comfort you when, um, you feel like, nothing else is going to work out. You feel like you can't escape it. Um, I promise you, you reach out and he will be there. Excellent. Glenn? Grace. Um, The Lord knows everything about you. The Lord knows everything about me. There's nothing that's hidden from him. And he loves you. Mm -hmm. And take things to him. Cast those cares upon him. Um, Reach out. Mm-hmm. You know, as as difficult it is, and what what you'll find is is something that I found is, gee, I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm completely and totally normal. Mm-hmm. That was a big lesson for me because I thought I wasn't. I thought, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Look at so and so. Look at so and so. They've got it all together, and here's me, and I'm dealing with all of this stuff going on inside of me. Uh, reach out to somebody. Cast your cares upon him. And God's grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And that your value, my value, is because we're made in the image and likeness of God and because of what Jesus did at the cross. Mm -hmm. We are completely forgiven. And and in that, we are free to begin anew, Mm -hmm. to live life 
in these truths and these realities and not to be stuck in the old ways. Yeah. Yeah. And just if you're wondering about it, let me just tell everybody listening, you are weird. And that's normal. That's normal. And, and I love it. And if you were all the same, if there was some sort of normalcy that meant that all of us were supposed to be the same and have the same skills and have the same and look the same and act the same, boy, would it be boring. And so it's a blessing to be you. Yes. And you're a blessing to other people. And sure, we all have things that we can, that we really do need to work on. I mean, there are really, really things that we need to work on. But if you're obsessing about that, they're probably not even the things you need to be working on. You're probably True. obsessing over the unnecessary things or even the things that you're actually doing great. Um, and so, you know, I just want to encourage everybody exactly what both of you said. Look, the Lord loves you. Reach out to those who, who who are in your life group, to those who are discipling you, to the pastors and the staff and the elders and deacons at the church. Um, if you're at Acts Church, you know we we want to talk with you. We want to work with you. If you're if you're struggling with this, if you're listening, you go to another church. You know, maybe good Bible uh, teaching church. Find the elders or the leadership of that church and and walk through this with them. Um, if you uh, are, are, are listening to this, we have a lot of other resources on axcamus.org um, from different sermons and, and other podcasts, and you'll find our, our stuff there. And so feel free to look at that. And just just we want the Lord to bless you. So I'm going to pray for all of us, and then we'll, uh, we'll sign off here. Father, I just pray that you would let us live in your truth. Mm-hmm. Let us just bathe in it. Let us just be cleansed by it. Let us just be enveloped in your truth. Mm-hmm. It is such a beautiful thing, Lord. And, and your peace, Lord, the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard our hearts and minds. And I pray that that would be true for everyone listening, uh, for everyone who struggles with anxiety, with depression, help them to feel loved by you. Uh, there's a place for mourning and there's a place for suffering and there's a place for for struggle, Lord. Um, but please don't allow that mm-hmm. to be more than it needs to be. Uh, Lord, I just pray you give a reprieve for those listening to this during the holiday season mm-hmm. uh, that, yes. that are going to struggle. Lord, I pray you'd help them to reach out to others, um, to receive the love that you want for them. Lord, help us to press into our small groups, life groups, to to our church body, um, to our family. Uh, Lord, help us to have the right voices in our life to speak truth both to ourselves and to others. And Lord, everyone who has struggled with this, Lord, help us all to see Mm -hmm. how you're going to use it to help others in the future. And I pray that we would continue Mm -hmm. to multiply Mm -hmm. the ministry of peace and truth and freedom uh, in the truth, Lord. The truth will set us free. Help us to multiply that ministry to many others for many years to come, that Mm -hmm. those who Satan tries to beset with lies and tries to, to, to put into a place of fearfulness and anxiety and keep them on the sideline. Lord, I pray that we'd all get in the game and trust that you're going to take care of it. In your name, amen. All right, well, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed that. We appreciate you listening this far if you're still listening. Um, we obviously put a lot of time and effort into this, and it's something that we think is important. Uh, it's something that we think can benefit people, and so we hope that it has benefited you. Um, if you are going through something like anxiety or depression right now or have gone through it, we especially hope that this impacted you and at least showed you that you're not alone in that and that there are others in the church, in this world, who have gone through and who can sympathize and, and walk with you through those struggles. Thanks again for being a part of this, and we will talk to you again next week.